Amen. Well, also, I want to, uh, before we jump into the Word this morning, I want to encourage you to um, uh, progress on with our reading. I don't know if we started back on uh, Easter, reading through the Bible together. And uh, anyways, if you've kind of got out of the the habit, we'll just jump right back in. If you're new to that, just pick up right where we are, because this time next year, you'll have come right back around to where you started reading, and you'll have read it in a year. It takes about 15 minutes worth of reading a day. It's not real intimidating, and you'll have covered the entire Bible in a year. That is just a cool concept. And also, to kind of provoke some thoughts and whatnot, we have our blog that uh, I post um, just kind of an idea or something that, that pops out at me as I'm reading through it. Um, and so I just want to encourage you to get on our blog. It's there in the, your bulletin, and our, you can link through it to, through our website. And uh, just kind of has opportunity if you want to post a question or you have a thought of your own. I completely embrace and encourage the, the discourse and the dialogue. We, we as people, we learn, or at least I know I do, learn through dialogue better than just through monologue. So this is our opportunity to dialogue together on this. So please be um, checking out the blog. I, I really pray that it's a blessing to you when you get on there. But right now we are in part nine of our parabolic series. We are going through some of the parables, not all of the parables, but some of the parables of Jesus. And... Um, like a, like a parabola, everybody, of course, we're about to get back to school and have uh, all of the wonderful stuff with school and math. Well, parabola is this wonderful curve that is defined by an equation, and every parabola has a central focus point. If you go in and out and if you have the dish network or something or a dish on your house to get your TV, that dish is parabolic, and it has that little thing that sticks out there to, to catch all of those rays so you have a better signal. It has a central focus point. So as we've been going through the parables, there's a lot of good things to get out of them, but we don't want to go through this parable and then miss the main thing that Jesus is trying to communicate. And so we want to make sure that we catch the central focus point of each one of them. So that's why we've a little play on words with uh, parabolic and today we're talking about scandalous grace because it can raise a ruckus sometimes so uh, let's open up your bible to matthew chapter 20 and we're going to look at the first 16 verses this is the parable of the workers in the vineyard and we're about to jump right into that <clears throat> with um with my kids i've got five kids if you didn't know that and yes we did that on purpose and uh, we wanted five children, and uh, <clears throat> and so, anyways, they range from from fourteen down to six, and uh, we over the last few years, then they like to do stories and stuff, and so we started this story that's just this kind of continuation, and I always leave it with a cliffhanger, which makes them mad. I mean, they just uh, there's one day I thought they were going to whoop me. I mean, they just screamed at me that I couldn't leave them with not knowing how this was going to end. But we call it the, uh, the Babylonie story because it happens on the island of Babalu. And uh, so and I just make it up every week. They have to remind me where I left off and I just make it up. Well, it's got five characters in the story of the, the Babylonie story the, on the island of Babalu. And I am, was incredibly creative with these names. It's, that's honestly pretty sad. Um, I've got... Keenaloni, Brookaloni, Westaloni, Lindaloni, and Carcelloni. And, uh, 
And so and I, it's, uh, I need to make new names. Those are pretty wimpy, but uh, um, I need to make new names. But that's what I came up with on the fly, and that's, that's what they are. And, of course, the, uh, uh, the kids recognize that it's, it's patterned after them. And so as I'm creating this story where each one of them has special powers and special gifts, and they live uh, in a special kind of house and uh, that's each kind of tailored to their thing. And, of course, if you, if you know Lyndon, Lyndon is our, our second daughter. She's, uh, she's seven, and uh, she is just uh, about to be eight next month. And she is girly girl all the way. Well, I had to figure out how I was going to make Lyndon into a warrior. Okay, that was a stretch. How am I going to make Lyndon into a warrior for this story? So I, I began to, to put these different things. Well, we get, all of them can do something like incredibly crazy well. Like Keenan can just dig like nobody's business. Sorry, Keen Maloney can just dig like nobody's business. And they all have these things. Well, well, we had Lulu, Lyndon, where she could, I created her character, where she could knit because she loves clothes. So she could knit anything. And her, she has this mansion that's made out of this silk and this, uh, this tent that's just like crazy huge. And it's all, and she can weave anything and she can do all this kind of stuff. And of course she has these giant knitting needles that she battles with. And she does all of these things. And if need be, she has these, these thimbles that have these little needles on them. They're like claws. And so she's got to really get scrappy. And uh, so as we were, they love it. I know it's cheesy, but they think it's awesome. You know, they're looking for, they're, they're predicting who's going to play them when the movie comes out. You know, they, 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 they're, they're, they got it all figured out. They, they love it. <clears throat> but anyways, as, these, as I'm creating this story, well, these, <clears throat> these different characters represent and show these different qualities of my children. As we get into this parable, we're about to jump into it. One of the things we're going to be looking at is Jesus is telling a story with this vineyard owner who is representative of God, his father. And as we go through and look how this vineyard owner interacts with his servants, we can begin to see as Jesus pulls in the qualities of his father and we get to get a better idea of who Papa God is by looking at this parable. Jesus did the, did the exact same thing as he has has told this story. And so we're going to go ahead and jump into this and grab the qualities <coughs> of, of God. Here we go. The, the, this parable gives us a great view of the qualities of God and his response to us. And the vineyard owner, first thing we see as we get into this is the vineyard owner, our God, is fair. Let's just go ahead and read through this right quick. It won't be on the screen. If you've got it in your Bible, you can just read along. It says, For the kingdom of God is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them out into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. Now they just took this guy's word for it. You go work and I'm gonna, I, we're not going to prearrange what I'm going to give you. I'm just going to give you whatever is right. Now I tell you what, this guy's got to have a solid reputation for me to go and work for him and just kind of wait to see what he's going to pay me at the end of the day. 
I know there have been different times that I had done jobs that a lot of times the one person paying doesn't necessarily agree with the person who did the work on what it's valued at. It, a lot of times there would be a little bit of discrepancy, but these people didn't. Th- this guy had such a, 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 um, a being known, he was known, reputation, thank you, for being fair that they just jumped at the opportunity to work for this guy and just say, I absolutely put myself in your hands. I know that you'll do right by me. He is absolutely, absolutely fair. And see, a lot of times we as people, we have this mixed up way of looking at what is fair. And whenever a lot of times it begins to then filter in to our, to the way we expect the world to operate. And then when, uh, when we really haven't necessarily thought through it all the way. I, <clears throat> I like to read and used to read all the time. I haven't as much lately, but a lot of business books and, and different things. You can't read anything very long business-wise without learning stories about An- Andrew Carnegie. He had the, you heard Carnegie Hall and all these different things. He was a Carnegie Steel and uh, just an uh, um, incredibly wealthy, uh, um, successful businessman. Well, he had a, um, there was a socialist that had come to Andrew Carnegie. Of course, he was very much a capitalist and went to him and saw all of his wealth and the socialist just started railing on him about how evil it was that this guy, that Andrew Carnegie was so wealthy and that he really needed to just distribute all of the wealth around to everybody, that it wasn't fair that, not, that everybody didn't have their fair share of it. So... Andrew Carnegie, deciding he's going to hold to this guy's principles for this guy, he contacted his secretary and said, please calculate my net worth, everything, don't leave a thing out. So he calculates the net worth and then says, okay, now I need to know the, as good as you can do the population of the planet. So she got in the population of the planet, he divided it to find out what would be everybody's fair share of his wealth, and he said, all right, fine, fantastic. Said, sir, I need you to go out and my secretary will give you your share. Your 16 cents will be waiting on you as you exit. And uh, a lot of times our idea of what is fair, what is just, can a lot of times be skewed. But God is always, always completely fair. God is always, always right. When we look at Matthew uh, 20 verse 2 it says he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them in to his vineyard a denarius was the standard day's wage a denarius was what it took for a man to take care of his household in those days we've already de- uh, covered this back with the unforgiving servant when the, he owed the when the one servant owed the guy 100 denarius you remember that he owed him 100 days wages he owed him 100 and that was a a large amount about $12,000 or so, but it was a payable amount. It was going to take some effort, but it was a payable amount. A denarius was a standard day's wages. He goes out first thing in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, gather up the guys to work in his vineyard. Then what he offers them is what's exactly what's going to take care of them. He's not, he's not working with them, trying to get them to work for less. He's not asking his, the guys, the worker's children or wife to go without. A denarius is the standard. It takes care of a family for the day. And so they, they took care of them for the day. He was absolutely fair. And then, of course, we've already covered verses 4 and 5. It says, he told them, also, go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. 
And so they went. I tell you what, we ought to as believers be able to just do like these guys did and just take God at his word. So many times we want to know how all of this is exactly going to work out. Well, you know what? I want, I want to, I'll serve God. I'll say yes to God. But I want to know exactly how it's all going to work. Preacher, you line it out for me. You show me exactly what God's going to do in my life. You, you show me how all this kind of stuff. And then I will say yes to God. And man, all I can tell you is that God, what God offers you is that he will do right by you. He doesn't lay it out that, okay, this is exactly how your, your future is going to roll, but God promises this. God will do right by you. You cannot give yourself to the things of God and get cheated. You can't. I tell you what, if you've been sitting on the sidelines waiting, kind of seeing if you really want to get serious with God, if you're really going to get into this thing with God to see what's going on here, I'm telling you, wait no longer. God will do right by you. God will, will end up, when this is all said and done, will owe no man anything. God is abundantly and awesomely fair and just God. And then the other thing that we see is how, how wonderfully fair he is, is that according to Leviticus 19.13, it says, Do not defraud your neighbor or rob him. Do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. See, they're supposed to, they work for the day, and at the end of the day, they get their money. Why? Because they got to stop at the market on the way home. they got to take care of business. they got some children at home ready, needs the, the bread and the meat and the different stuff they've got to get. They can't, don't hold it back. And so this, this vineyard owner, God, made sure that what they needed was provided when they needed it. This vineyard owner did right by Leviticus 19.13. When it was at the end of the day, we read in our story, he calls them all forward and gives them their wages, paid them in full for what they had done every day. There was never a moment where the vineyard owner owed anybody anything. God was just so wonderfully fair and just. Then as we continue to read, then we look at verse 5. It says, so he went out. Wait a minute. Let's look at verse 3. Let's go back up to verse 3. It says, about the third hour he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. And he went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. Then about the eleventh hour, he went again and found others still. We see with our, <clears throat> with our Heavenly Father that with this vineyard owner was constantly recruiting. See, God has never said, all right, that's enough. I've got enough people in my kingdom. I've got enough people who are serving me. I've got enough who are there. The early bird got the worm. You, were, you said yes to me quick. So you're in, and everybody else that kind of delayed or overslept or whatever they weren't in the marketplace ready to get hired, although those get left out. God is constantly recruiting. He looks on the first wave and brings them in. He went back at the third hour and see who else he could hire. Scoop those up. Went back at the sixth hour of the day. Scoop those up. Just kept on going. Did it at the ninth hour, even at the eleventh hour. There was only 12 working hours in the Jewish day. They worked from 6 in the morning to 6 in the evening. They worked for 12 hours. That 11th hour, there was one hour of work left. 
There was one hour. See, sometimes people think late in their life that they don't have as much to contribute. Sometimes they say, man, I wish I'd have chose to serve God way back here. I wish I'd have got hooked up way back here. I wish I'd have really got serious with God way back there. And yeah, that would have been a, a better plan. But you know what? We can't live in the I wishes. God, even up to the 11th hour, God is so wanting us to engage. God is so inviting us in. I'm telling you, it, the, our best days are always ahead of us. Always. As believers, it's, we've never have to sit around and look at our little scrapbook and go, Oh, that was so wonderful. My best day was back in 1985. Man, that was so great. You know, I'm going to have some good days. Man, my really, really good one. It's gone. It's back there. No, our best days are ahead. Even at the 11th hour, God has stuff that he wants us to do. He's still recruiting. Man, I don't care if you've let a whole lot of your life slip by. It is not too late. God wants you to engage and say, yes, I want to hook up with you. I want to hook up with you. God is calling us in. 2 Corinthians 6 2 says, For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We don't have to wait. It's right now. It's always. I've heard it said that there is no moral season in the heart of man. There's no this little wonderful, perfect moment. We are we're always ready. God is always ready to engage us when as soon as we will say yes to him. God is constantly recruiting. I love it when we look at Jesus and says, I stand at the door and knock. That is this progressive thing. It says, he who answers, he who lets me in. It's not that, oh my goodness, God knocked and I missed it. I, I, di- I didn't say yes and now I want to open the door to him and he's, he's not there. As long as we have breath in our lungs... As long as we're still here on this planet, he is still, it is a progressive thing. I stand at the door and knock. It's that keep on knocking. I don't stop. He knocks. He's knocking. Knocking. I had to do that this morning. You know, and I could hear all of the kids on the other side of the door. You know, because was, it was locked and I had a couple of tables to bring right in. And so, and I almost said something and I decided just to mess with them. And so, and I just keep on knocking, keep on knocking. I hear him. Should we open it? We don't know who it is. Should we open it? And finally I hear one of them, Nick, go ahead and open it. And so they just barely peek and open. Oh, hi, Pastor Brendan. And then I, I come on in. It is that just kind of knocking. Just Jesus is patient. He'll let you have the discussion on the other side of the door. Do I do it? Man, what, what's going to happen when I let God into my life? There's going to be some rearranging. Am I ready for that? He's going to do some stuff. Am I ready for that? He's going to let you have that conversation on the other side. He's just going to knock. He's just going to knock. He's just that progressive. It just keeps on knocking. God is constantly recruiting. He's constantly wanting to come in to our lives. Today is the day when we can connect with him and have salvation. It's not just eternity. That salvation is the whole life. We first begin our walk with God and we step in and we cross over from death to life. Our eternity the biggest chunk of our life, eternity, is taken care of. Bless God, that is done first. God is smart. He takes care of the most important things first. Boom. That's taken care of. 
Now we've got this re- the rest, a little bit of part of our existence called mortality that feels so long to us. But in the scope of everything, it's really, really short. And then we have opportunities to invite God in and see his salvation work in that part of our life and more our mortality and the way we think where God renews our mind in our relationships where we can have life where there had been death and tension in our relationships in our bodies where the health that Jesus brought into our lives through the stripes on his back where we can have health and wholeness and healing we can begin to say yes and invite God into those things he is constantly constantly recruiting The next thing we see is that the vineyard owner also requires an accounting. This is the part where most people, when they do the the hellfire and brimstone, the heavy-handed preaching, the kind of scare you to pop you up out of the seat and get you to come forward deal, that's, God, you will give an account, you know, and you get your good voice going. And the thing is, is it's true. We will give an accounting. God requires an accounting, and we even see it here in this story, when he goes out at the 11th hour, we go ahead and pick it up at verse 6. It says, And at the 11th hour he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them a question. Why have you been standing around here all day long doing nothing? Give an account of yourself. I've been going out rounding up laborers all day. It's the 11th hour. Why? Have you been standing around all day doing nothing? That's a pretty pointed question. You can almost hear just a little bit of a tone there. Why have you been standing around doing nothing? Sounds like a question I would ask my children. Hello, your rooms aren't clean. Why have you been doing all day? What have you been doing? Why have you been doing nothing? And you know what? And we see that these guys did not get puffed up. We see that these guys don't get, oh, well, we've been this, and we've been that, and that. They don't grouse about it. They don't get mad about it. They give this response. It says, because no one has hired us, they answered. We were unwanted. We haven't come in. We haven't been working because nobody wanted us. You know what? Whether that is true or not, that was their response. That was their perception. Whether they overslept, he was out looking. He didn't, re- according to the story, he didn't reject anybody. He just kept been scooping up laborers. Why their paths didn't cross at the first hour, or the third hour, or the sixth hour, or the ninth hour, why they're finally passing it here at the eleventh hour, we don't get that story. We don't know. All we know is their response. And from their response, they say, nobody hired us, nobody wanted us. You know, the big, strong guys, they get scooped up in the first hour. You know, you're going to try to get your denarius worth. You know, it's the standard pay. You're going to get the old big guy, old Bubba. You know, he can carry a lot of stuff. You can get the smart guy who can work on your tractors and work on your stuff and get all this stuff fixed. You can get that guy first. Nobody wanted us. Nobody wants. You know, there are a lot of people who really put off coming into the kingdom because for some reason they think they're unwanted think the church doesn't want them think God doesn't want them and they're at the 11th hour they're still hanging out on the sidelines not engaged, not in the game there are people in the church who get in the church 
never really serve, never really allow the ministry that God puts on the inside of them to come out because they think, nobody wants me. Nobody's asked me. Nobody really wants a, a, somebody like me to be involved and to do anything. You know what? I want us to be really good at bringing in the 11th hour people. I want us as a church to be really good at that. To have somebody that's maybe never served anywhere in church ever in their life. And we're like, oh, we're so excited that you're here. We want you. You're wanted here. You're, you can make a difference here. Even here in the last hour. I'm willing to hire you, Brent, because I believe in you enough that even just one hour of you is worth it. We want to be a church. We want to be a people who are good at bringing in the 11th hour. Those who felt disconnected, felt unwanted, whether it was really pressured on them or just came from the inside of them and they made it up. We want to be good at that. He is, but it's the, it's the thing is, is there is an accounting. And as we, as we come in, as we come into it, God requires us to say, what's up here? Why have you been staying away? And when, for us to really cross over and really step in, then we have to deal with that account. Well, God, I've been letting this in the way of me. I need to let go of that. I've been th this has been getting in the way. I've been afraid. I've been busy. I've been selfish. There have been some things getting in the way, and that's why I'm not engaged. That's why I'm not participating in, in what's going on with the vineyard. There is an accounting. See, Daniel Webster, who was a senator and a secretary of state, he was a great, great orator. He had one major flaw, and that was he opposed the annexation of Texas. Shame on him. He was opposing God. But other than that, he was a great statesman. And uh, anyways, what he, uh, his, one of the things he said is that his greatest thought one of the things that pushed him forward in his service to the United States was his accountability to God. One of the things that pushed him is that he knew, he knew that he wanted to he was going to have to give an account. And you know what? It ought to be something on the inside of us that we all want to hear what those in the parable of the talents heard. Well done, good and faithful servant. That will be something on the inside of us just desiring to hear that. Romans 14, 12 says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. One of the things we see here is that the, the vineyard owner is incredibly gracious. Yes, there's an account that he asks, but what covers all of that it's his graciousness. God is so full of grace. Matthew 10, 7 says, Because no one has hired us. They answered, and he said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. Come on in. Maybe others didn't want you. I want you. He's incredibly gracious. You think you don't have much to offer? I will absolutely take it. See, grace is so much of getting what we don't deserve. Billy Graham is one of my heroes. Uh, I, if you've not ever read his book, uh, Just As I Am, it's a fantastic read. I, I just so respect um, uh, Billy Graham. 
and uh, just a, an incredible man of character. Well, and, and Billy Graham had a problem that I, I, I used to have, and, uh, and that he had a little bit of a heavy foot. So I'm driving down the road and speed a little bit. And uh, so I, I tried to pray for it, and, and uh, for some reason it just didn't fix itself. And uh, anyways, but he got pulled over. Um, he got pulled over in this uh, place, and the officer pulled him over and said, you know, we're, you were speeding. He said, yes, sir, I was. He said, well, that's going to be a $10 fine, and you're going to have to go to the courthouse and pay for it. So he goes ahead, and he goes into the courthouse. He's in this little town he's never been in before, traveling. And uh, the judge sees him, and he's going before the judge. And he says, you know, look, you know, you can't be speeding around in our county here. And he says, you're right, I, I can't. What's, what's the fine? He says, it's, it's the $10. But the judge recognized who he was. And the judge decided to operate in a little bit different manner than most judges. And the judge said, it's, the penalty has to be paid. We cannot let people off. We cannot tolerate speeding. Let's let gavel come down. Sentenced. And then the judge reaches into his pocket, pulls out the $10 bill, and pays for the ticket. The judge provide, pronounces the sentence and then pays the sentence and then says, Mr. Graham, I would love to take you out for a steak dinner. And so not only did Mr. Graham have his, have his debt covered, but he got a steak dinner on top of it all. See, that's the thing of with God. We stand before God and we're so expecting to receive judgment. And through Jesus, God paid the penalty, poured out grace on us. And now all he wants to do, that's done. Now he wants to do is bless us. Man, that's taken care of. Boom, it's under Jesus. Now he wants to talk about us taking us out for steak dinner. I want to bless you. I want to spend time with you. I want to provide your needs. I want to do those things. And on this side of the cross, once we've had Jesus, God is just pouring out his grace into our lives. Like I said earlier, as long as we are breathing oxygen, it is never too late to say yes. Jonah 2.8 says those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. God's grace is made available to all of us. Grace to, to have a relationship with him. Grace to operate in our relationship with him. Grace to pass on our relationship with him. We don't want to forfeit the grace that we have. Proverbs 3.34 says he mocks proud mockers but gives grace to the humble. John 1.16 says, From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. I so love that scripture. From the fullness of God's grace, he just pours out his blessing. That's who our Papa God is. Second Corinthians 9.8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound to every good work. See, at that point, God's grace has come in and then begins to flow out. We abound so that we can abound into every good work. All of a sudden, we don't, don't just become a recipient of the grace. We become a participant of passing the grace along. That is just what an incredible place to be. See, as, this, as the guys in the vineyard were the Sorry, the scandal shows up. And then he calls them in. And he begins to pay them. And he calls the 11th hour guys in first. And says, pay them. And he pays them a denarius. Pays them a full day's wage. He only worked an hour. 
And he paid him a full day's wage. See, I love it that he makes sure that when that man has to walk home, he doesn't go home to his wife and to his children empty-handed. What they needed for the day, that landowner was gracious and made sure that that family was taken care of. You know, they didn't work enough to do it, but God's grace met the need. They still got what they needed. So these guys that were hired in the first hour were watching this. The 11th hour guys come and get their denarius. The 9th hour guys come and get their denarius. So to the 6th and the 3rd and the 1st hour guys are going, Woo! Man, this is going to be good. He's going to just really pour it to us. You know, these first guys that didn't even do the whole work, they got a denarius. Man, what's he going to do for us? And they come up and they got a denarius. They had agreed to work for a denarius and they got a denarius and then they get mad. They get ticked off and they start grumbling against the landowner. It says, these men who were hired last worked only one hour and they said, and you have made them equal to us. Man, I tell you what, you just think about that for a little bit. How many times do we start thinking that we're better than, that we deserve more, that all of a sudden it starts creating all of this inner ter- turmoil and all these issues. When we get let go of the idea that we deserve more or that we're better, then a lot of this internal strife goes away. A lot of this junk just gets shed with it. We start being so excited. You know what? Those guys knew. Those guys knew that those guys, other men had to go home and take care of their families just like they did. They didn't celebrate the fact that those kids were going to get to eat. They didn't celebrate the fact that the, that the needs were provided for. They were just mad that they got the same. They were just mad that they got the same. We need to make sure that in, as people come in, as people come in and participate and, and jump into the kingdom, and God starts blessing them and go, man, I've been walking with God for 20 years, and he hadn't done that in my life. What's the deal? You show up and say yes to God two days later, man, all this stuff's good happening for you. Man, we can't be doing that. We've got to be excited about what God is doing in other people's lives. We've got to in, celebrate that and enjoy that. And then as the, as the vineyard owner shifts, these guys are, man, pouting. They got blessed. They got hired. You know what? They, got a, they had a gift all day long that those 11th hour guys didn't have. That from hour one, they didn't worry what their kids were going to eat. They didn't worry about what their wives were going to say when they walked home and didn't have enough to meet the needs. They had a gift of having all day to just work and enjoy and have no worries. The day's taken care of. You know what? Yeah, it's wonderful for us that got saved at seven years old like me, that I have lived my life not worrying about eternity, not having that internal turmoil. You know, and there are people who, you know, going to get engaged with God on their later part of their years. And man, and I, I'm not going to begrudge them one little thing. I hope God just blesses them like crazy. Not because oh, I've been walking with God all this time and I deserve more. No, man, I've had the freedom of life living with the weight of sin hung around my neck and all the worries. Man, those 11th hour guys, they were fretting it to the last minute. It's amazing that they didn't go home. They were hoping at 11th hour, man, somebody's going to do something, maybe. 
You just think about what's going on. Is there knowing the kids' stomachs are rumbling and all these things are going on and the day's got to be paid for and it's almost gone. And God's grace comes in and takes care of it. Oh, what a wonderful thing. These guys that are griping about it. And I love what God says. It says, but he answered one of them, friend. I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same I gave you. Don't I have the right to do with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? The vineyard owner was gracious. And even, even to the guy who's griping and thinking he's being done wrong, he's still so gracious. Calls him friend. His friend. I've been good to you. I'm not your enemy. You're here attacking me. I'm not against you. I love that song. God has called us friend. And even when we're on edge with him, he still calls us friend. When we're here celebrating and blessing his name, he calls us friend. And when we get a little sideways and go, man, God, what's up with this? He still calls us friend. God doesn't quit on us, even when we quit on him. Oh, God, it's so wonderful. There in Matthew in the <clears throat> 22 and 26, we have some references where God, where God calls some other people who are doing some wrong things, friend. Even Judas, when he is betraying him, God refers to him as friend. When we look at this parable, when it is all said and done, the central focus and <clears throat> the end result is that of grace. Matthew 20, 16 says, So the last will be first, and the first will be last. See, he's letting them know, you don't need to be thinking about the way things start. You need to be thinking about the way things end. There are those who got going early and then disconnected, and they're going to be at the end of this deal. And there are those who just got engaged right at the very end who finished strong. It's about the end, and it's about God's grace. It is about the grace of God. We must embrace the grace. We have to celebrate the grace. It is so worth celebrating. And this morning, I want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to have the relationship with God that is so freely available.